Hi there, and welcome to the Talking Local Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Cronin, and in this podcast, we'll be talking to marketing leaders in all kinds of industries, from food and beverage to franchising and charity, automotive, hospitality, retail, and beyond. The thing all these sectors have in common, they all operate through local partners, and that can bring certain challenges, but also significant opportunities. It's all about harnessing the power of your local partners to work together, bringing your brand to life locally, increasing sales, driving engagement, and building consistency. So sit back and enjoy. Okay, well, um, good morning, everybody. And I'm very excited today to welcome you all to our latest Talking Local podcast. Today, we'll be discussing the secrets of successful local brand implementation and activation in the franchise sector. So as part of that, we'll we'll be talking about the, the, the value of local marketing to franchise brands and how to deliver that value consistently and effectively across multiple decentralized local partners. So over the course of the next half an hour, we hope to uncover ideas on how to fully immerse your franchisees in your brand, leverage the value of franchisees, uh, make marketing easier for them, and how to really engage those local audiences. And we'll give you some ideas to engage your franchisees and get them working as an extension of your marketing team. So let's start today by introducing the panel and the key marketing trends that they're seeing in the franchise sector. So for, for myself, um, I am the managing director of We Are Acuity. We've been supporting brands that operate across multiple decentralized locations for 25 years this year. We've seen over the last sort of three or so years uh, with the pandemic and various other things, there was a rapid digitization that happened far quicker than it, than it would have happened naturally. And as we've returned back to normality, we're returning to this much more blended world where, where physical and virtual retail are, are much more closely aligned, which is, which is great news. We're also seeing really significant growth in the following franchise sectors. Um, so food and beverage, fitness and wellness, beauty service providers, cleaning services and property management services. So going now over to Dominic and Phil. So Dominic uh, Leclerc is a franchise tech expert and Phil Mowat is a um, QFP um, and a franchise development expert. So if I go to you, Phil, what kind of things are you seeing in, in, in your world right now? Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me on. I'll quickly explain what QFP stands for. So Qualified Franchise Professional sounds very, very exotic. It's the BFA, the British Franchise Association's qualification for people in the industry. So, yeah, my I think the key trends in the UK probably are around what you mentioned, but also we all know how many dogs and cats came into the world in people's homes over COVID. And so pet, pet franchises, whether that's food, uh, dog walkers, grooming, anything in and around pets is 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 definitely up and coming. And then the whole sustainability green piece around ensuring that your business has got green credentials and is doing good for the environment. So, uh, for example, a driveway company that makes driveways out of recycled plastic bottles. So, yeah, I think for me, they're, they're the two the two other ones compared with the list that you went through a, a little earlier. Okay, interesting that because I mean, just yesterday I was uh, I went down a, a rabbit hole on Instagram and 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 became aware of a business that did 
sustainable, what I would have called dummies as, a, as, an, as an old school person, but soothers. So the, I started reading this story about these, these soothers being carbon neutral and the way that they're sort of cleansed after the, the babies use them, uses less CO2. And it just made me think, wow, there's so many things now that, are, that potentially are uh, impacted by that sort of whole sustainability kind of story, really. So, um, yeah, that makes a lot of uh, rings true to me. Dominic, what about um, yourself? Yeah, um, I think kind of two things I'm seeing a lot of. Uh, number one, just to build on it a little bit more, is, is what, you know, what you call kind of home services brands. And I think it does tie into what Phil was saying about kind of lockdown. People are spending more time at home, right, in their houses. So seeing a lot of, you know, cleaning, restoration, decorating, painting, plumbing, pest control, um, any company that's kind of coming to your house to provide a service. Seeing a really big uptick in that. And, and again, I guess that's probably people are spending more time in their houses, kind of looking around. How can I make improvements? Maybe don't want to do it yourself. So, yeah, seeing a huge drive in those kind of home services uh, offerings. And then the second kind of trend um, that I've been seeing kind of more in the U.S. and a, a little bit in the U.K. is this creation of, of portfolio brands where you have these kind of owner operator franchise organizations that aren't just focused on an individual uh, franchise, but bringing on more and more different franchises until they have a portfolio offering of 10, 12, 15 different types of franchises. And they're doing it because they have a really solid operating model, uh, a really solid process to kind of pick up either emerging or distressed franchises and putting them into kind of their process um, and really setting them up for kind of growth, um, but managing kind of multiple different franchises. So that portfolio brand, we're seeing a, a large increase of that over the last year or two. And I would expect to see that continue as well. That, that um, again, that really makes a lot of sense to us in, in who we're talking to. So we were talking to a franchise called Boom Battle Bar, which is a I guess it's sort of like an activity entertainment type thing with a bar, axe throwing and, and various things like that. And the guy who was running the franchise, once we got stalking to him, he was a young, very entrepreneurial, probably in his sort of 30s. And he had the this franchise, but he also had a care home franchise, a quick serve restaurant franchise. And it, yeah, as you say, these guys are into the business side of it. I suppose it's a bit like the Dragon's Den idea is that you've got loads of sort of hustles going on. And actually, it's your business acumen that brings value to those businesses rather than it being a, a niche around, oh, I do dog grooming or whatever. So, yeah, that makes uh, yeah. makes a lot of sense, really. So I we think, move I on think to the. I'll just add, I'll just add yeah, in there. I think that's the joy of franchising, isn't it? A, a good franchise business is so process driven, is such a system that effectively anyone can run it. 15 like year olds work yeah. in McDonald's, 16 year olds run McDonald's. If a 15 year old can run a McDonald's, then it shows how, how well driven and the cogs are so well oiled. And any good franchise business is all about systems. Yeah. So you can take whatever business you're in and run it and just follow the system so um, we were chatting previously weren't we about the the e-myth yeah. as a book and uh, dominic i don't know whether you're fam familiar with that one but it's this whole transition from um being an employee to being a business owner and how oh, no. for a lot of people that 
doesn't translate into the dream they were expecting to be, you know, doing the work they loved, but also getting all the money and running the business. And of course, it doesn't always work like that. You find that when you are running your own business, you are then dealing with all the admin and the clerical yeah. stuff and you lose some of the stuff that you really enjoyed. So the e-myth is all about building your business so that it would be kind of franchisable just because of those systems and processes free you up and, and just make the, the business work that much better, really. So, yeah, excellent stuff. Good. So we've got three sort of questions that we're going to cover off today that are kind of they there is a bit of overlap there, but they do seem to be like the sort of three pillars. So we'll dive into the, the first one. So how can franchise brands successfully maintain local consistency? So, Dom, should we go into uh, straight into it with, with, with you on that on that perspective? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, you know, the, the challenge is that you know, brands invest uh, a tremendous amount of time and money in creating their brand, their messaging, their voice. Um, and then they put it in the hands of maybe a dozen, maybe a hundred, maybe thousands of distributed entities, end users. Um, so if you don't have those kind of controls and those kind of um, methods in place, uh, you can see a ton of rogue marketing at that local level. Um, now, the challenge, Peter, is going to be that that local entity may know uh, specific information about their local market, or at least you would hope they will. So how do you how do you kind of take that kind of global brand message, but have the ability to be able to localize that? Mm. Um, if, if you're in a, you know, if you're and I'm going to talk about this from the tech side, guys, um, because that's, that's my that's my area. Um, you know, if you if you've got like half a dozen franchisees Z's, as we'll call them um it's it's it becomes okay in order to have those ongoing conversations about how uh, is that brand um represented in that local area um, but when you get to that kind of tipping point when you've got maybe 15 you've got 20 maybe you've got 100 maybe you've got a thousand you can't have that ongoing input into how a brand is being represented at that local level so utilizing tech becomes the obvious thing, right? Um, that ability, and we call it kind of brand to local, right? It's gone through a gazillion changes over the last 15 years that I've been involved, but that brand to local, how do you take that brand entity, that brand voice, that brand messaging, but localize it um, to be of more value to that local entity? So there's a lot of different platforms out there that really build on a kind of templative framework where there's certain elements of the brand that are critical and can't be touched. But there's also elements of personalization or localization that really need to be employed if that local entity is going to be successful. So whether that's information about the address, the actual lo um, location itself, or if it's information about the individual services offered at that location, you know, having a more templated approach um, using technology allows a brand, a franchise, to be able to support thousands, hundreds of different uh, local entities uh, without having to pick up the phone and kind of badger them on an ongoing day-to-day -day basis. So I think from a tech standpoint, there's some really good options out there about how a franchise can maintain consistency but allow local Yeah, yeah, you don't want to take that away from them. And yeah. I think the, the important part of that is 
utilizing data and analytics to see actually what does work. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it's all well and good having a local franchise say, hey, I do it this way. It works really yeah, well for me. Absolutely. <laughs> you're, you're dealing with individuals with their own perspective, their own, you know, and often it can be the guys who shout loudest, get the share of voice, whereas actually there's a lot of expertise out there as a business. Phil, yeah. you were going to you were going to. Uh, yeah, jump in it's, then. it's interesting because 20 years ago when when we didn't have Facebook, can you remember those glorious days? Yes. Um, franchising, the, the way they ran franchising was, hey, we've got an online portal and you can log in and you can change your artwork for your flyers and your business cards. It's like, wow, aren't <laughs> we amazing? And that and that was the start of it. That was the brand consistency of you can't produce your flyers your own because you might get the colours wrong or you go to the wrong printers or you get the logo out of shape. And that that effectively was it. And obviously we've now transitioned into where we are of the whole digital online marketing assets and the messaging and everything. So it, it was happening way back when, yeah. but it's just changed. And obviously technology is so amazing these days that it's it's 100% vital. And we tell all our brand new franchise or clients to think about what they're going to be doing. Often, it may just start with a Google Drive folder that everything is shared with, with a link to the printer, and here's their phone number, and here's how you order. But over time, that does develop. Because um, often brand new franchisors clients, franchisor clients don't have the headspace or the budgets to implement things straight away but we tell them about it so they're aware of it and they can set something up in the interim that's going to work for them. Yes. Yeah. And then, and, sorry, go on, Dom. So, I was going to say the other element of it is, you know, we kind of talked about a little bit, you know, the franchisee more than kind of any other population is so varied. Um, you know, if you look at other kind of brands or local um, engagements in whether it's financial services, real estate, QSR, um, you know, their end users are, you know, pretty much look alike. Um, in the franchise space, you have a really varied bunch and you may have folks who are marketing expertise, uh, you know, experts and you may have folks who have no clue about marketing whatsoever. So how do you support such a mixed bag of potential end users from a marketing standpoint? Because um, if you have somebody who all they want to do is they want to go to, you know, go to a location, go to a home, provide those services, maybe manage a couple of people, has no interest in the marketing element whatsoever. And then you may have kind of a multi-location company that's running multiple different franchises that has a whole marketing department. Absolutely. So I think one of the biggest challenges is how do you support such a wide and varied end user group? And I think mm. utilizing tech now, especially tech that delivers digital, whether it's kind of AI generated video that's localized and personalized, or it's still a print ad, right? That's being put up in a local school. How, how do you support that? That becomes a huge challenge as you start getting into dozens, hundreds of, you know, of, of Zs, of franchisees. Okay, Phil, and that And that's the joy of franchising in general, isn't <laughs> right. it? Like every franchisee is different and everyone is at a different stage. Like if you think of being in a corporate, you've got a marketing team. Yeah, you might bring in a new person, but everyone else is, is in tune with what's going on and understands the strategy plan of that quarter or whatever. But a franchisee, one of them's at day one and one of them's at day 4,053. Yeah. So they're at different journeys within their marketing, within their knowledge. And, and 
it's a frustration of being a franchise or in a support team of god you're having totally different conversations with people from one minute to the next so yeah that that is a big big thing to get your head around in terms of becoming a franchise or okay. yeah and I, I remember just sort of tacking onto that. I, mean, I was working with a franchisee, a franchise or back in the, in the US a few years back, and they wouldn't even allow any individual franchisee to do any marketing for the first 12 months that they became a franchisee, just because, you know, they didn't want them kind of rushing into it without actually knowing what the heck they were doing. So they would always have this kind of corporate marketing package that would be used from day one until kind of day 365. And it's like, Okay, hopefully now, you know, you've established yourself, you you get it. Now we can start taking the wheels off a little bit, not all the way, but we can start kind of letting you do your own stuff. So, yeah, it, it ha- you know, that, that's kind of, I guess, one way of dealing with the, you know, the variety the of challenges. Franchise. Yeah, yeah and the stage they're at in their development as a franchisee. Well, one of the things that I thought was quite interesting that came up in one of our previous podcasts on the sort of estate agency real estate world was um, I think the guy, uh, Jonathan, who was talking, described it as would you buy a Ferrari and then drive it across a ploughed field? So the, the thing is that the intent, if you're buying into a franchise, is that you love the business and the brand and everything it's got. So o- often I find that the uh, franchisors are concerned that the franchisees are going to go off and screw everything up, but they're not going to do that intentionally because they bought into the brand. So they there's something about that that's captivated them that they see a value in. So they're not going to purposely try and ruin it. But yeah. what they will do, as we touched on, is make mistakes, well-intentioned mistakes. They either don't know about marketing, they don't really understand the brand, et cetera, et cetera. And so it, to, to, to us, it's all about making it as easy for them as possible to do that on-brand marketing, to follow the best practice, to do things the right way, rather than completely shutting them off and saying, we've got to keep them away from our brand because they're going to ruin it. You, you need to support them, you know. It's, and, and we've seen that o- over the years is that instead of hitting the um, franchisees with a big stick for stepping out of line, what you actually want to do is think, they're trying to do something. There's a reason why they're trying to do this. There's a need. There's something that we haven't covered that they're trying to do. So let's understand it and engage with them and support them. Because if that franchisee needs it, the chances are the rest of your network also need that kind of support as well. Um, and, and by working together with the franchisees, I think you have a much better outcome than it becoming them and us and head office in an ivory tower hitting them with a stick. And the franchisees saying, what do, what do they know at head office? They've never sold yeah. this product, you know? Yeah, and also, what? I mean, go, on, go, go for it. I was going to say, also, as a, as a franchisee, you're paying into a marketing budget, right, on a monthly basis. That's part of where your fees go. You know, you want to see return on that investment. Um, so shutting off a franchisee completely, you're not winning any friends. And yeah. you're certainly not going to get good word of mouth, which is a key contributor to growing your franchise right and adding new locations so yeah it needs to be communicative but it needs to be and i I can't stress this enough it needs to be data and analytics driven reviews of it it cannot be anecdotal um just because somebody you know in south end on sea says hey i know my market really well doesn't mean they do right so you've got to have some kind of um smarts around 
what's going to work and what's not going to work. And the only way to do that is to have that communication with that with that franchisee and is to have some kind of tech to help support that. Absolutely. Phil, you were going to say something. Yeah, I think I'm just going to, um, uh, what's the word, confirm what Dom said earlier about sh showing them how to do it. And yeah. business owners sometimes see marketing as an expense. Can you believe it? It's like getting into their head and be, being a franchisor to a franchisee is educating them, showing them how to do things, telling them what the best way is. So educating them that it's an investment, put in 500 quid and you will make 10 grand. I will show you how to do that. Keep on yeah. pumping the 500 pounds in. So I think the idea around too much support at the start and right give us three grand or three grand of your franchise fees going into marketing we are spending it for you we will yeah. prove that spending three grand will get you business that is the way to do it in terms of like make helping someone get established mm. um so i don't i don't think be scared about like uh taking too much control too early because you just really want to show people that what you do works one of the things that we've we've had over the years is that um, we've you know we've educated them and we've shown them and all the rest of it, but very often within the local branch, uh, whether you know franchise store, restaurant, whatever it is, the person who's doing the marketing is probably doing everything else as well. And although they're interested and they want to be engaged with the marketing, they don't always have the time. So we've moved now towards this idea of can you do it for me, which is a managed services sort of subscription based model. Um, and the great thing, as you said, with franchising in that, you know, with somebody it's day one, with somebody else it's day 4000, is you've got this sort of case studies that back up what you're doing so that you can prove it works. You don't have to go through that yeah. finding stage. You know that X, Y and Z will work. So when you talk to the franchisee, you can say, right, if we put an investment into this area and this area, it should bring in this number of leads or this amount of traffic and that kind of stuff. So it's a very repeatable model, which I think is great yeah. as well. Yeah. And, and the second part is, or another layer, I should say, you know, as much as franchisees are a mixed bunch, franchises are a mixed bunch, right? It's a yeah. whole different ball game in day one as a Subway McDonald's new franchise than it is kind of day one at, you know, a, a startup plumbing franchise. So, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, Working with a partner, right, um, whether that's in the development side, the tech side, or the Z support side, who has been through the gamut and understands, you know, the different marketing opportunities across different franchises as well as different franchisees, I think it becomes really critical, um, especially in that kind of portfolio brand environment as well, where it may feel like one size fits all, but it doesn't. So I think, you know, as a new franchise, E, um, you know, you have to not just understand kind of where you are, but, you know, where is that marketing or where is that brand at when you start, um, you know, when you start a new franchise? Because I think that that can become a critical mistake as well, um, yeah. because a franchisee is really kind of a business person more than anything else. Um, yeah. They may be stepping into a, a industry that is new to them. So making sure that corporate is providing information and marketing expertise, but also having a partner that can support that as well, I think becomes really important. 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, obviously, there's so much to talk about on this and I can feel the passion, uh, you know, in, in the room at the moment. So, um, yeah, we, we but we need to keep it, I guess, to time. So moving on to the sex, the, the next one, wh where is that line between the brand and the franchisees marketing? Because, again, you know, sometimes we, we do hear that from the franchisee that, you know, that's not my job to do the marketing. Head office really should be driving all the leads in my direction and I should just sit back and service those leads. Let, let, let's drill into that. Where, you know, where is the accountability between those sort of areas and what part does each play? Uh, what, what do you feel, Dominic? Yeah, I, I guess it, I mean, you know, we're, we're using this word marketing. Um, it's such a huge word, right? Um, so, you know, is it things like, you know, listings? Right, where it's listings information, which is a key driver for marketing and particularly lead gen for every business these days. You know, if you're not, if you don't have some kind of Google profile that is telling people where you are, what your hours are, what your services are, you know, what's the point in having all your other marketing? So things like listings become, you know, very important in their overall presence, particularly local presence of a brand. Um, that's typically going to be driven by corporate. So you and I give that just as an example, Peter, of kind of you've got to look at you know what you mean by marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Because if it's that if it's brand marketing, that's a corporate responsibility. You know, they have that domain um, expertise, you know, they're gonna be able to drive um, domain SEO at that kind of high level corporate entity. So I think you need to kind of break it down to the local marketing piece and who has responsibility for what. Yes. Um, but even still, you do have things like listings, which need to be very corporate. You have that creative element, the messaging, the tone, the voice that has to be driven by corporate. In my mind, the, the kind of the crossover area is the activation is how do you activate in that local level? And that's where I think you need to have really open discussions between corporate and the franchisee about who's responsible for what. And I think that's also where a do it for me um, partner um, can really kind of assist in almost kind of being the glue between those two entities. You know, mm. corporate selecting a partner who can work with that local Z, who can actually support them and knows how to grow a local entity. Um, and then that partner um, being that day to day support for that Z in understanding where they should be spending their money providing feedback on, you know, uh, success rates or, you know, lead gen or just basic data and analytics. So I think finding that right partner to help with that activation piece of it, I think yeah. that becomes really critical in maintaining that good relationship between corporate and the franchisees. Absolutely. Yeah. Phil, how do you see that in sort of, you know, with, with those sort of uh, growing businesses? Do you think yeah. the franchisees think let's you know, I just sit back now and wait for the business to come in. I think it all depends on what the proposition and the opportunity is, because mm -hmm. it, it it depends on what the franchisor is offering to the franchisee, because some of our clients, they do all of the sales and all of the marketing and the franchisee gets their tablet, sees where they need to go and go does the job. So it does depend on the business. Um, I think a big point is around the early positioning in the conversations that you're having, even with a potential franchisee, it's part of the sales process of this is what we're going to be doing for you. Yeah. This is what you need to be doing. 
So it starts off at such an early stage and then flows through that recruitment um, process into the legal agreement where the obligations will yeah. be. Franchisee does this, franchisor does that, which then leads into the operations manuals, which then leads into the onboarding and the training programme. So everything is about positioning and communication at the end of the day, isn't it? So if you've told them early and it all flows through and everything rings true, when they start off on day one and the onboarding process is our marketing team or me as the franchisor, I will help you set up your Google business placing listing, yeah. then that happens. But if it's no, you need to speak to our agency that does it for you, or you need to go and do it yourself, but you follow this video. It 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 entirely depends on what your process is. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think there's so much, and this is what we as development consultants do, we help franchisors lay everything out properly so step-by-step step is done in the right way, and therefore there's no surprises of, Oh God, what are we doing about this or what are we doing about that? Yes. Yeah. That and I normally and I normally come in at the tail end of that. So yeah. um, I'm learning stuff today as well. So thanks. Well, exactly. Me. I mean, I was gonna say, you know, a lot of this just gives you the thing that the joy of this and, and doing this podcast across different sectors is you see that there's so many common kind of areas, but there's also nuance. And and as you were saying there, Phil, I guess, you know, say if you were a plumbing franchise. You, you might just want the jobs to be coming through, as you said, on the iPad, and you just go and do them, and you don't need to do anything above and beyond that. And there really is no And you give away 35%, but you don't care, because all you're doing is your job. And effectively, it's a job, but you've got your own business. Yeah, that is, yeah, that's very, yeah, that's very interesting, which I guess it all feeds back into this idea that franchise franchising is such a varied kind of world, and there's not a one-size-fits-all. There's lots of different ways to do it, but the main thing, as you said, is managing expectations um, and working together as a team. I suppose it, it goes back to the people. It's all about the people at the end of the day and making sure everybody knows what's expected of them and what they need to do. Yeah, I mean, it's always human relationships. Any kind of business is human relationships, right? Um, but more so in that kind of franchisee to franchisor space, there has to be an outlet for communication. Um, yeah. You know, you have to allow people to feel heard, um, you know, which is why you see things like franchise boards and, you know, you have kind of, you know, whether they're in a circle or some kind of group of franchisees, um, you know, that have that kind of direct communication with the, you know, with the corporate entity, um, you know, because, you know, if you can't foster those relationships internally, whether it's peer to peer or whether it's from franchisee up to corporate, you, you have to foster those relationships if you want to grow and if you want to be, a, you know, be successful. So any opportunity to build on those human relationships um, is critical. So, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to go along to kind of many kind of annual conferences for, for franchisees. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting to be able to walk that floor and kind of hear you know, what's happening from a grassroots level and start picking up themes. I'm doing it as like, you know, an outside, um, you know, vendor. Um, but, you know, you also see the, you know, corporate marketing and corporate operations walking the same floor here in the same, you know, here in the same conversation. So 
those ability, you know, those opportunities in which to have those conversations across the whole group um, and ensure that you take some of that on board, yes. um, that becomes really critical. It can't just be, you know, allow people to scream into the chasm, but don't do anything about it. You yeah. have to show improvement and you have to show that you've heard and you've listened and you're acting on that. Yeah. So so in the UK, there's, a, there's an organisation called WorkBuzz that run uh, franchisee satisfaction surveys. And some of the big franchisors have been winning it for 10 years in a row, which is absolutely fantastic. But it, for me, it's vital. It's understanding and listening to your franchisees to make improvements. I was with one organisation. We had uh, a wonderful group called the Franchise Advisory Council, otherwise known as the FAC, <laughs> which was which was a fun name to spread around on Zoom. So, um, but yeah, it, it worked because it gave them the voice, and it worked when the improvements or when they were listened to. Yeah, that's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. and one, of, I mean, one of the sectors we work in is automotive, and they do a very similar thing. They do rankings um, across the different brands, and you know, I, I've I've seen brands that that were at the top. Of, of the satisfaction absolutely plummet with with the change of directors at, at brand level you know because you get somebody in who either wants to engage with the network and support them and make them feel like a big team and then suddenly you have somebody else coming in who's no these guys do what we tell them and they go away and get on with it and it it makes a huge difference it it, it really does um so then on to the to, to to the last question which was really about how do you encourage more effective local marketing um so what are the things that again you know we were talking about that brand um activation uh, and implementation dom but how do we how do we make more of that happen we already know that the the franchisees are not necessarily natural uh, marketeers in many instances so how do we get them on board make it easy um don't overcomplicate things um, you know, whether you're using tech or not using tech, you've, you've just got to make it simple. Any kind of, you know, sharing of costs can help encourage that. Um, but I think the, the other element, which I've mentioned three times now, which I'll keep on harking back to, show people with data, show them what success means like using analytics. Um, there's nothing better than a good success story that's driven by, you know, some kind of numbers to show hey, if you invest X amount and you do these steps, you're going to achieve Y. You know, you've got to give examples, but you've got to make the execution and the activation piece of it really simple. Um, if, they're, if they have some kind of tech prowess, some kind of system to allow them to do it, great. Uh, if they don't, the ability to pick up a phone, shoot an email, send a Slack message, whether to internal corporate or to an agency that they're working with, in order to be supported the kind of do it for me um you've got to just make it as simple as possible and show really good clear-cut data-driven examples of success that makes a lot of sense phil what's your have you got any take on this yeah um it's interesting because i've heard a few times it's as a franchisor i tell my franchisees all these things over and over and over again and then we run our annual conference and this guest speaker comes on and tells them exactly the same thing and they all go oh, that's amazing <laughs> so it, there's something about the communication between the franchisor yeah. and the franchisee and if you've got a franchisee running a campaign successfully get that franchisee to talk to the franchisee yeah. 
and uh, more likely to listen to them yes. or bring in an expert to talk about it or an external trainer so um it's a it's a it's a funny old relationship franchisees franchisors so it's, it's like a parent child in a way isn't it really that you tell your kids to do something they they just think you know nothing but then they go and say oh so and so's mum and dad do this and it's brilliant yeah. you know yes. so it is i mean absolutely we always find that they're they're more interested in what their peers are are telling them than what head office is telling them so yeah, yeah one one of the franchisors a global franchisor i've worked for conferences was nothing about from the franchise or it was just the franchisees getting on stage telling stories showing like where they were and how they got there and that was it all day for two days and it yes. worked absolutely yeah makes a lot of sense and there's i guess there's no there's no sort of shortcuts on this stuff is it really it is it's a hot a lot of heavy lifting but it's 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 great fun and it and it works if you know when you see those results and when you see that engagement from the network and the success it's it's a really rewarding place to be I I, I find and that's why I love that whole franchise space really yeah and it, it is heavy lifting Peter but at the same time you know, there there are some I won't, I won't call them shortcuts um, because that seems like you're cutting corners but there are some ways of kind of accelerating it um, and that that's you know maybe I'm biased, but I think having worked for a lot of different agency style organizations and tech platform companies, I think if you can engage with the right partner, um, yes. I think that heavy lifting can be share, a shared burden, Absolutely. right? And, and the insight that can come from an organization or resources that have worked across multiple different franchise experiences, I think can be a real asset for you. And there's some really good ones out there. So I think, yeah, it's it's a it's a hard slog, it's heavy lifting, um, but there's good resources out there that can help share that burden. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Phil, when you were talking about, you know, um, often start off with a a Google folder, you know, with some files on it and stuff like that. I mean, I I hear that over and over again, even in some very mature businesses. But I think people often underestimate the absolutely drain of resources. That, that happens when you're constantly having franchisees ringing up saying I can't log in or I can't find this or I want to do this and and that's something that we see over and over again because typically now post pandemic head office marketing teams are pretty small now they're running very very lean and they don't have time to pick up the phone to be you know talking to somebody for half an hour trying to explain stuff that they've done many many times before and as you said dom that's where uh, uh, an an expert partner uh, an agency that's used to working in this world can really um deliver dividends yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah totally agree with that i think yeah. it, it there is that element of what they can take on at what stage but it the technologies is getting better and better and actually big agencies can support small clients can, can can't they now with a view that they're going to get bigger because it's all about having a system in place so yeah absolutely yeah. fantastic well i think we're sort of we're kind of um coming to the end of our time really i mean from, from, from my perspective I, I i just made a couple of notes and and you guys perhaps jump in but you know, on the first one, you know, how do brands maintain local consistency? I've just got support, support, support and make it easy for them. I mean, have you guys got anything sort of additional on that on, on, on that area? I, I'd add one more support to your notes, uh, but that <laughs> yeah. would be about it. Yeah. 
yeah and 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 probably monitoring so keep keeping an eye on them because if they know they're being kept an eye on uh, have an eye kept on them then they they're gonna do it so it is a yeah. little bit of that stick yeah but not too much of the stick yeah, yeah absolutely then the next one was um where is the line between brand and local partner marketing um so i've got here you know this is all about that relationship and managing expectations and talking to them communicating with them seem to be the the sort of key areas there any any further thoughts covers it for me i think that's good apart from you know providing an end result of the communication it yes. can't just be you know there needs to be something tacit you know something actual that comes out of that communication it can't just be absolutely one yeah. way well, comes well i think that probably leads on to the third question note so that was how to encourage more effective local marketing so it is a repeat make it easy but then also you know demonstrate that success you know you've talked a lot dominic about the the sort of metrics and the analytics you know prove to them let's move marketing from being seen as a as a cost into an investment something that brings return you know um and and that stuff like sharing those costs and 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 you know supporting them you know co-funding and things is a great way of getting getting people to try different things and to experiment and to do more marketing really yeah you're always going to have someone in the network who's a bit more keen to maybe pilot or test things for you so and you'll have it's the early adopters versus the laggards, isn't it? So yeah, take use use those early adopters and the risk takers and see what happens, and then share the success. Absolutely, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So fantastic! All right, well, I've really enjoyed it, guys. This is um, I've, it's been one of the uh, you know the 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 really exciting uh, podcasts that we've done. There's loads more to to say. I'm sure we could. Uh, we could do another one maybe at a, at a later date, perhaps. But, you know, in the meantime, you know, thanks so much, Dom and Phil, for being involved. And thanks to everybody for listening. And, um, yeah, we hope you enjoy. Cool. Cheers, Peter. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Cool. Yeah, well done, Phil. I thought that went really well. Thanks for yeah. that. We'll chop cool. this last bit off. But, yeah, I hope, hope that worked for you as well. And, um what I do is I'll do we do a bit of sort of outbound promotion. So we'll we'll put together some graphics and stuff like that and yeah. then just start sharing stuff on some LinkedIn and things like that. Maybe with this one, we might put a bit of um, paid budget behind promoting it on LinkedIn. It might be quite a good one to get out okay. there. There's quite a lot of franchises. So, yeah, yeah, anything, you know, if you're happy to share on any of your channels or anything, we'll give you assets for that. Yeah, we'll I'll share it as much as possible and we'll get it out to our the various websites and see if they take it up and stuff. So, yeah, Fantastic. perfect. Cool. Good. Thanks. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. Nice one. Cheers, Cheers Peter. Bye -bye. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Talking Local Marketing Podcast. You can find more on Spotify, iTunes and Google. If you'd like to find out more about how to activate your brand with local audiences, get in touch. Just Google We Are Acuity.